You are listening to the Pine Log Church Podcast, where believers in Jesus Christ are seeking to know God and to be fully known by God. As always, we thank all of our listeners for your faithfulness in supporting the ministry of Pine Log Church. You can give online by going to tithe.ly. We pray that you are blessed by the hearing We're in week six of our sermon series called Strong in the Lord. And let me just say, this is such a timely message for me. Uh, I don't know about you all, but it's a very timely message for me uh, in that uh, there have been times recently, certainly, where um, I have been very grateful that I have not had to be strong in my own power. Uh, And and I know that this is the case for for some of y'all too. uh, Because here's the deal, the same is true for a lot of y'all. There have been things going on in your life, sickness and struggles and difficulties, financial struggles, maybe marital struggles, whatever they are, uh, employment issues. And and in a season when we're all bearing the weight of this seemingly new world, uh, with all this chaos going on around us, uh, we're diving into Paul's letter to the Ephesian Christians, and we are talking about putting on the full armor of God. We're talking about being strong uh, in the Lord. So here's the theme. The theme is, why do we need to be strong in the Lord? Because we are in a war. We are at war. This is not a militant sort of go out and, you know, conquer type of war. This is a spiritual war. Revelation 12, 7 says, and there was war in heaven. It is declared. We can see it. We are living it every day. We look around and we understand that it is present. We live in two realms. We live in an unseen realm and we live in a seen realm. We live in an earthly and a physical existence, but we also live in an unseen realm and a spiritual realm. So much of what we encounter in our day-to-day lives Uh, has a spiritual DNA to it. And so we live our lives in one of two ways. We either live our lives in a way that ushers in heaven, ushers in the kingdom of God, brings heaven down to earth, or we live in a way that draws hell up into the places where chaos and deceit and struggles exist. And we have to embrace this binary biblical worldview where there is light And there is darkness, there is good, and there is evil, there is heaven, there is hell, there is truth, and there are lies, there is humility and pride, there's hope and despair, envy and contentment. There are two opposing forces within this biblical worldview, and there's this tension that is drawn out in how we interact with our physical surroundings uh, while maintaining this understanding that there is a spiritual world that underpins all of it. Uh, There is a spiritual war that underpins every material struggle uh, we encounter. So here we are in Ephesians. If you're unfamiliar with the Bible, uh, when you read the New Testament, a lot of it is made up of letters. Uh, A lot of them were written by the Apostle Paul. Uh, He wrote letters to different churches in different cities across the Mediterranean basin. Jesus has lived his life. He has been crucified. He has risen. uh, And Paul and the church breaks out across the across the globe. It breaks out like fire. Uh, and, and as the church breaks out in several different cities, churches pop up. Uh, Paul is going around and, and, and one of the cities that the church broke out in was a city called Ephesus, which is modern day Turkey. Uh, and, and this letter that we're reading that we're studying from in Ephesians 6 is written by the Apostle Paul to the church in Ephesus, to the Ephesian Christians. Uh, And he's telling them, here are some things you need to know. 
Here's some practical things that you need to know. Here's some pragmatic things that you need to know about how to live out your faith. Here's some things about grace. Here's some things about marriage. Here's some things about whatever. And toward the end of the letter, he says this in Ephesians 6, starting in verse 10, he says, A final word. Be strong in the Lord and in his mighty power. Put on all of God's armor so that you will be able to stand firm against all strategies of the devil. For we are not fighting against flesh and blood enemies, but against evil rulers and authorities of the unseen world, against mighty powers in this dark world, and against evil spirits in the heavenly places. Therefore, put on every piece of God's armor so that you will be able to resist the enemy in the time of evil. Then after the battle, you will be standing firm. Stand your ground, putting on the belt of truth and the body armor of God's righteousness. For shoes, put on the peace that comes from the good news so that you will be fully prepared. In addition to all of these, hold up the shield of faith to stop the fiery arrows of the devil. And here we go with today's passage. Put on salvation as your helmet. Put on salvation as your helmet. There is this progression that is laid out that, that's beautiful. We've got this belt that we buckle around our waist that, that plants us in truth. We cover our most, most vulnerable parts with the breastplate of God's righteousness. Uh, we get our feet ready as we sh strap on the, the shoes of the good news of the gospel. Uh, and we say, yes, Lord, I'm ready to go to battle. And then we uh, tighten our grip on the shield of faith that protects us from the fiery arrows as we advance as one into enemy territory. And then God says, what's on your head? What is on your head? And this is not an allusion to the most recent vice presidential debate. What's on your head? <laughs> what's on your head is what God is asking. He says, what's, what is protecting the control center of your life? What is enveloping the tool that God has given you for discerning the will of God in your life. What is what are you wearing on your head as a means of protection? And Paul tells us, put on salvation as your helmet. So what exactly is this? What exactly is salvation? I think this is a good thing for us to talk about uh, because for a lot of us, I'm not sure that we know exactly what it means. And I think there's some of us who may feel as though we are uh, saved or we are being saved, but I'm not sure that we all really know what it is that we need to be saved from uh, or what what we need to be saved for. What we're saved to. Uh, what do we, why do we need to be saved? For a lot of us, we probably don't feel like we do. For a lot of us, we probably, uh, we've got our lives together. We're doing good. We do good when we can. We give when we're able. And we're productive members of society. And our society tells us as long as we try to be a good person, then we're going to be okay. Uh, but that's not what God says. It's not, in, it's not scriptural. And you might be shocked, actually, if you turn a couple pages back uh, to Ephesians 2 in the same letter that Paul wrote and discover that the Bible actually says you were dead in the trespasses and sins in which you once walked. Following the course of this world, following the prince of the power of the air, the spirit that is now at work in the sons of disobedience, among whom we all once lived, in the passions of our flesh, carrying out the desires of the body and the mind, and were by nature children of wrath, like the rest of mankind. Woo! 
Good morning. Welcome to church where we want to make you feel good, right? Uh, we want to make you feel good about life, but this is what we're working with. This is what we're working with. This is the foundation uh, of how we understand God to work in our lives. We are all descendants of a fallen and broken creation from the sins of Adam. And Eve. even if we struggle to embrace the fact that we are, have inherited this brokenness, uh, the reality is that every single one of us has fallen short of the glory of God in some way. Uh, we've all fallen short. And we're all in desperate need of forgiveness and desperate need uh, of God's grace. But we don't always like to admit it. Uh, I mean, if you think about it, when somebody asks you about your upbringing, they're like, hey, how's your family? How many of you are like, oh, you know, it was, it was good childhood. I mean, you know, sons of disobedience, a little bit. Just kind of the normal stuff, child of wrath, you know, just normal stuff. No big deal. I mean, it's just a normal child. Nobody says that. Nobody says that. Uh, but we have to understand that this is our starting point as Christians. Uh, we have to understand that we are born into this world as broken and fractured uh, in this broken and fractured creation, and we are in desperate need of a risen Savior for forgiveness. Uh, we have to understand that we, we're not bad people trying to be good, and we're not even sick people trying to be well. Scripture tells us that we are dead people in desperate need of a new life in Christ. As we think about this, a lot of us, I think, are quick to think of salvation as something in the hopefully far-off distant future that speaks to our eternity with Christ. We think salvation is something that ensures our eternity in heaven after we pass through uh, this life into the next life that by our profession of faith in Jesus Christ and in his death and resurrection, our seat in heaven is reserved with our name on it, uh, and we are able to avoid the fiery furnace. But what I want you to understand today is that salvation is not only that. It's not only something that points to our resurrection and the life hereafter. It is so much more. It is so much more than what happens after we leave this place. Resurrection and salvation happens here. It happens now. It happens today in our encounter with and our faith in the living Christ. Resurrection happens today. When we die to ourselves and we live for Jesus Christ, salvation is the moment that we embrace the grace of God when creation is healed. When the fractures of creation are healed and we are made right with God. It's what happens when we embrace all that Christ has done for us. We not only experience resurrection when we leave this life, we experience resurrection here now today salvation happens here in fact i love what simeon says when he encounters jesus as a child in the temple he says for my eyes have seen your salvation paul also tells us in romans 6 he drives this home he says have you forgotten that when we were joined with christ Jesus in baptism. We joined him in his death. For we died and were buried with Christ by baptism. And just as Christ was raised from the dead by the glorious power of the Father, now, 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 we also may live new lives. 
We are saved from slavery to sin and death. And when we read on in Ephesians 2, we discover that we are saved by grace through our faith. The moment we believe. Paul says, God saved you by his grace when you believed. And you can't take credit for this. It's a gift from God. Salvation is not a reward for the good things we have done. So none of us can boast about it. We are saved from slavery to sin and death. We are saved by God's grace through faith. And we are saved for God's work and God's purposes. The next verse, Ephesians 2.10, For we are God's masterpiece. He has created us anew in Christ Jesus so we can do the good things He planned for us long ago. So as we talk about this helmet that we place on our heads, very quickly I just want to share with you a couple of big ideas about what Paul is telling us, uh, what I believe Paul is telling us. Uh, He tells us to take the helmet of salvation, and when you think about a helmet, foremost, a helmet is intended to protect. A helmet protects our head. When we think about hockey or football, Uh, or other sports, it is an essential part of the uniform. Uh, There's been a lot of attention paid to CTE lately when football players receive these repeated head injuries, and the helmet is a critical part of the uniform. Uh, And just the same, the helmet of salvation protects us from the repeated attacks of our enemy. When we rest firmly in the truth that salvation is here now, that it is happening in our lives, that we are being saved, that we have been saved, and that we will be saved. Our salvation protects us against the voice of the enemy that seeks to tell us lies and sow lies and deceit into our life and send us on a mission that is not God's purpose. The voice of self-deceit, the voice of fear and anger and pride. Scripture tells us that God has created us for his purposes. The helmet of salvation protects this control center of our lives, of our behavior, of our being. It allows us to discern God's presence in our lives with that as the central focus. This is why we are here. Not only to experience salvation, but to take it out into the world and to share it with other people. Even more importantly than protection For a Roman soldier, the helmet was not only intended to protect their head, it was also a form of identity. When they would suit up in their armor, their helmet, they would place it on their head, they would venture off into battle, and the helmet, as they're engaging in battle, would indicate who they belong to, which army they belong to. And just as the Roman soldier's helmet would mark their identity in the army of Rome, our salvation, our profession of faith, our life, our new life in Jesus Christ marks our identity as new creations in God's image. So I'll ask you again, what's on your head? What is it that is in your life that is protecting your thoughts and your inclinations? 
But more importantly, what is it that gives you your identity as a new creation? Let us pray. Gracious and almighty God, I pray that if there's anyone here who questions the gift of assurance that you pour out for all of us on the cross, I pray that if there is anyone who questions that, that you would empower them to talk about it, that you would empower them to accept this, this mystery of faith, this grace that is poured out. I pray, God, that if there's somebody here today that is struggling to embrace this truth in their lives, that you would open the door for a deeper conversation, that they may be able to profess from their lips what you have done and what you are doing in their lives. God, I pray that as we gather here that you give us each the precious gift of salvation, the assurance uh, and the discernment of what it is that you have created each one of us for. Help us to know fully that all that we do, God, is intended to bring about your glory, to usher in the kingdom of God. Help us to be identified not by our political affiliation or our place of employment, our vocation. Help us to be identified first by the helmet that you place on our head, by the gift, the precious gift of Jesus Christ our Lord. It's in his name that I offer this to you. Amen.